1: On the show this week, we'll be looking at geopolitical tensions ahead of the Munich Security Conference, Europe's preeminent gathering of the transatlantic foreign policy elite. The annual gathering in the Bavarian capital was traditionally a show of unity and affection between European and US officials, a testament to the health of the Atlantic Alliance. But over the last year, serious rifts have opened up among Western powers over Iran. The US and Russia have all but abandoned the Key Arms Control Treaty there are persistent doubts about the Trump administration's commitment to NATO's collective self-defence on one side, and about the Europeans' willingness to pay their share of the cost on the other. Meanwhile, tensions between the US and China continue to mount, with the Europeans increasingly squeezed in the middle. Joining me on the line from Brussels is Michael Peel, the FT's European diplomatic correspondent, and in the studio, David Bond, our security and defence editor. Michael, could I start with you? There seem to be these sort of nagging worries in Europe that the Trump administration could even threaten to pull out of NATO, or at least of Article 5 of NATO, which is the commitment to self-defence. How serious a threat is that, do you
0: think? Well, I think the answer to that is that it's something people are still trying to work out. But what people do who feel quite worried about this is to look back at first principles. And the principle is, for Mr. Trump's policies, you should look at what he said in the past. And that is the best guide to uh, what he will do in the future. And of course, NATO has long been a subject of criticism for him on the campaign trail. He even described it as obsolete. And since then, from time to time, he's lambasted allies for not spending enough. So there's definitely a school of thought here which is worried that this is something which has been kept under control more or less by uh, advisors and various placatory gestures from Europe, but that it could flare up again at any moment. And at some point, that could be terminal.
1: David, are the Europeans getting the message on defence spending? Well,
0: I think some
2: of them are, but it still remains only nine, I think, out of 29 of the members of NATO hit that 2% target. And I think it was interesting this week, we saw that Italy were talking about, well, maybe we could just change the way that the defence budget is calculated. We could include some other things in there to maybe meet the 2%. I mean, the big beef that Trump and America has is really Germany. He really believes that Germany should spend much more on defence. It's the biggest and most powerful economy in Europe. And it thinks it should should step up. But I do think finally the message is getting through to Europe. I mean, we saw from Gavin Williamson, the UK Defence Secretary, this week. I mean, the UK does spend 2% of its GDP on defence at the moment. But he was rowing in behind the Americans saying that European countries need to do more.
1: Michael, how do you see Germany's response to the pressure from Donald Trump to raise military spending? There really still isn't that much public appetite to do so, is there?
0: Well, Germany, more broadly, has been very much, of all the European countries, the one most in Mr. Trump's crosshairs since he took office for a variety of reasons. And one has to look at this in a kind of matrix of complaints that Mr. Trump has about Germany, and these include the Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline plan to Germany from Russia. And this is something that indeed Mr. Trump raised very publicly at the NATO summit last year. Germany has accelerated its defence spending. The 2% figure is still going to be a long way off, but they have tried to be placatory where they can and I think there's some sense talking to diplomats that public opinion is perhaps a little bit less opposed to the uh, extra spending than it might have been in the past but of course against that is the revulsion that many Germans feel for what Mr Trump represents so there's this very difficult balancing act that the German government has that on the one hand it wants to hold alliances together and the crucial alliance with the United States but on the other hand there is quite a lot of resentment about the way Mr Trump is and the way he conducts himself in Germany.
1: Yes, and in fact, this kind of new world order where they're sort of rules-based system is being brought into question, not least by Donald Trump, seems to sort of disconcert Germany more than anybody else, perhaps because they're yet less willing to act as a nation state, willing to sort of wield power, David. You, this is almost a sort of real psychological challenge to the post-war German way of thinking now.
2: Yeah, I think it is. And I think one of the big questions for the Munich conference will be who is prepared, which country is prepared to step forward and try and pick up the pieces from this fracturing international order. I mean, it was the main theme, really, of the pre-Munich conference report, which painted a very gloomy picture of the world going into the conference. I mean, there was one line from it that said, the world is in crisis, and the US is making it worse. So I think, you know, there is pressure on Germany to perhaps be that leader to provide that sort of multilateralism, sort of liberal values in the world. And I think there'll be lots of discussion on that in Munich. I think the key thing, though, there will be lots of talk about NATO. There always is. And interesting to see how Mike Pompeo and Mike Pence play it when they speak at the conference. But a lot of the focus and attention will be on the INF Treaty and what sort of message the Americans send to Europe. Because, of course, European countries are very, very worried about this.
1: But on that subject, I mean, the Europeans have actually been in lockstep with the Americans about this issue, essentially collectively altogether accusing Russia of precipitating essentially, the crumbling of this treaty by breaching it in the act, no? Yes, that's right. And
2: again, going back to Gavin Williamson's speech, the UK Defence Secretary on Monday, you know, say that Russia is at fault here. It is Russia that is breaching this treaty. It is Russia that has to fall into line. But of course, you know, those countries that are on the front line with Russia on the frontier will be most worried that you could see a new arms race developing in Europe. I mean, it's three decades since we had nuclear missiles on European soil. So I think there will be extreme worry as well as support for the American position.
1: Michael, is there anybody in Europe who can sort of pick up the baton and help mediate between Russia and the US on this
0: question? The INF Treaty is kind of symbolic of Europe's dilemma. On the one hand, as you say, there's been total support for the broad US position that Russia has been in violation of this treaty for a long time, which the Kremlin denies. And don't forget that this is not a Trump-era fixation. This is something that's been going on for around five years and started under President Obama, the allegations that Russia was breaching the treaty. Europeans were a bit surprised that Mr. Trump came out when he did and said the US was going to pull out to the treaty. But once they'd adjusted to that, the unity has been quite pronounced. However, the problem is, as you said, that the missiles, as one NATO diplomat put it, are aimed at Europe and not just at frontier countries of Russia either, because, of course, this treaty deals with missiles of a range of up to more than 5,000 kilometers. So these can go a long way. And of course, in Europe, it's not just the physical existential threat of the missiles themselves, but the politics around it. And another dimension of this is that people are worried that if the US pushes to deploy more missiles in Europe, then could we be taken back to a 1980s, late Cold War era of protests going in waves around Europe, of peace campaigners campaigning against American missile deployments in Western European countries. So there are a lot of things for Europeans to be worried about here. I think they realise they have limited leverage with the US and that the best way they feel that they can try to handle this is to show a mixture of cooperation, solidarity, while also making clear what they're concerned are and trying where they can to make the U.S. go step by step. And indeed, Andrea Thompson, U.S. Under Secretary of State, who's responsible for arms control in a briefing last week, she did say, look, we're going to do everything in consultation with allies and was very much trying to give the impression that this was going to be something that would be done with some form of consensus.
1: Michael, you referred then to the Cold War. There are people who say we're in another Cold War, this time between the US and China. And One of the interesting aspects perhaps of this year's conference is the large, should be large presence of senior Chinese officials. Does that tell us that sort of tensions between China and the US are spilling over into the European sphere, David?
2: I think almost certainly, and the US has been, as we know, putting a great deal of pressure on European allies to do more to certainly deal with the threat from Chinese espionage and the concerns over Chinese cyber security. I mean, we've seen it with Huawei. The US piling on the pressure, particularly on Eastern European countries now, as well as the UK, as well as on Germany, to try and shut Huawei out of future 5G networks. I think that will continue. And it is interesting that there is such a large Chinese delegation coming to Munich. It will be, again, very interesting to see how that plays. But I think generally that when you compare it to the threat from Russia, which I think is much more adversarial, disruptive, confrontational, The concerns over China seem to be much more focused on trade and perhaps on espionage. And so far, I don't think, and it'll be interesting to see how this plays out over the weekend, I don't think there is deep concern yet about sort of direct military confrontation.
0: I think there's one other dimension to the China point, which is important, which David, you just alluded to, which is that this goes far beyond the concerns about Huawei or or cyber security, or indeed South China Sea security. And that certainly China sees, in some sense, the divisions between the US and Europe as something that it can work with. And it's quite keen to portray itself as having a lot of common ground with the Europeans in terms of commitment to multilateralism and uh, international institutions and so on. Europeans have very mixed feelings about this, as you might expect. On the one hand, there is some common ground in keeping some of these ideas and institutions alive. But on the other hand, they're very wary of being seen to work with China in an alliance against the US. And so it'll be very interesting to see how those competing themes balance out in Munich.
1: I think we can expect some fireworks from Bavaria this weekend. My thanks to Michael Peel and David Bond. Till next week. Goodbye.